and being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruits in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. I think that's better. I think we should be doing it like that. After, for those who are wondering where it is, it's from the book of Colossians chapter 1. That was a prayer that Paul prayed for the Colossians, all right, when he was um, introducing his letter. And I, I, we see that we are claiming those, those things by faith. It shows us what is important, what is most important in the mind of God, or what is more important than many of the things that people are seeking for. All right, let's continue our discussion on total faith. I like the topic. I've been blessed by it so far. Total faith. And today I want us to take a text of the scriptures to start today. Let's take two of them. First of all, let's read the one we have been reading, the book of Mark chapter 11. The book of Mark chapter 11 is the one we will start with. That has been like our, um, like our, our text for this uh, series. The story is about when Jesus went um, to Bethany and to Jerusalem. And the Bible says, uh, of course, we've been reading from verse 20, when they were passing in the morning and they saw the fig tree that he cursed the day before withered from the roots up. And Peter reminded him, saying, Rabbi, look at the fig tree that you cursed, it has withered. Now look at verse 22. The Bible says, And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Or literally in Greek, he says, Have faith of God. That is, have the faith of God. He now said, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, the condition for fulfillment of the word that he's um, uttering is the faith that is in, his, in, is in his heart. He said, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, he says it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask. If you can believe that you have received them, they will be granted you. Now, that's my own understanding of that. But literally what it says in most translations is that, therefore I say to you all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. And I said, whenever you stand praying, forgive. Now, let me just um, read this again for us in the Amplified Translation. That verse um, 22. He says in the Amplified Translation, The Lord Jesus answered to them, Have faith in God constantly. Why I read that is that constant thing that he said there. And that's what we have been looking at. Let's read another one before I just do a short review and then go into the main point I want to make today. Okay, let's look at Matthew chapter 8. Now this is our second text. Matthew chapter 8 from verse... um, And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Notice verse 8. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also... I'm a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to the other, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, 
And he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. Then I went ahead and said some things. I said to you that many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place, he says, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In answer to the man, in verse 13, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. Now, why did I read this? It's because the Lord Jesus said, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. That is, the Lord Jesus looked at the faith of this man and said, this faith is great. Let me just remind us of something before I go on in my teaching for today. Faith is required for anything that we are going to get in life from the hand of God. Faith is required for anything we are going to do in life for the Lord. There is nothing you do in life for Him that is done outside faith. Anything you do out of faith is sin, even if you think you are doing good. I hope you are getting my point. The, anything you are going to do in life for God, anything you are going to receive from Him, will be on the basis of faith. That is the foundation for everything we are doing as Christians. If you are going to be healed of diseases, it will be because of faith. If you are going to, be, if you are going to prosper so that you will be able to give to the gospel, it will be because of faith. If you are going to live long, it will be because of faith. Are you getting my point? If you are going to go to heaven, it will be because of faith. I, I, I think that should be clear, right? Yes. Going to heaven, forget those who say they dreamt and they went to hellfire. And they saw people because they were wearing earrings. I've told you before, it's not true. Those who go to heaven, go to heaven because of what? Faith. It is the unbelieving, all right, that finds their way to hellfire. Their works are the manifestation of their lack of faith. I need to just say that again. So when we are teaching like this, it's important. If we are going to have success in our lives, if we are going to have a fulfilled life working with God, it is going to be because we are working by faith. It, means, it makes sense, therefore, that the quest of our hearts should be to increase our faith. There was a time that the disciples looked at the Lord Jesus and said, this one you have said is what? Plenty. So they said to him, increase our faith. And we're going to look at that in the course of this series. Faith can be increased. And when they said that, it was because the Lord Jesus told them that if somebody offends you and returns seven times in repentance, you must forgive. <laughs> Peter and John said, lie, lie. That might be owing me money. What are you talking about forgiving? So for me to be able to forgive, I need extra faith. So they begged him, increase our faith. You read that story in the book of Mark chapter 9. A man had a son that he loved, gravely tormented. And he came to Jesus and said, if you can do anything. And Jesus said, what do you mean if I can do anything? The problem is whether you can believe. Listen, no matter what is going on out there, your faith can help you float. You are getting my point? Let the naira crash and be 100,000 naira to the dollar. Let fuel price increase. And they say one liter is 2,005 to fuel your car. All right? I'm not saying it should happen. I'm not, in fact, I'm praying for those who don't have faith so that it doesn't happen. But no matter what happens, by faith, 
you will not only survive, you will triumph. By faith, you will not only survive, you will overcome. By faith, you will not only survive, you will prosper. In the midst of adversity, faith will take care of you. You want to start a business? You must have faith for success. You are starting a family? You must have faith for victory. Faith is the basis upon which you get everything that you are going to get in life. It's the basis upon which the power of God flows. When God was promising Abraham a child, when God was promising Abraham an inheritance, when God was promising Abraham lands that his children will inherit, he understood that Abraham, everything I have said will not come to pass, except you take these things by faith. So you know what he began to do? He began to train Abraham in faith. Abraham was trained in faith. All the experience of your life, God wants to increase your faith. So please, I want you to understand that. So we are doing these teachings again, so that we will understand what is fundamental to Christianity. Listen, the fact that God has... You know, people don't realize sometimes. The fact that God has promised something is not all that is required for it to come to pass. They have to be activated by faith. The promises of God are activated by faith. If God says, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. When you read that, you will tell that promise, say, you are my own. If short life wants to enter your house, say, boy, you don't get this point. You don't belong here. If long life wants to go out of the window, say, long life, come back here. That is, that is the fight of faith. He said, fight the good fight of faith. In life as a believer, you fight unbelief. You kick it out of your life. Do you know why? Because if God wants you to have something, if God wants you to do something, I must always emphasize that, all right? If God wants to be able to do something for him, maybe we are preaching the gospel. I like to use myself as an example. I'm a preacher, all right? If God wants you to preach around the world, if you sit down and don't activate it by faith, you will preach around your house. You will preach maybe around the Enugu. If you sit down there and you are complaining every time, you know, things are really tight. Dollar is now very difficult to get. How do we pay international channels? How do we talk, speak plenty English? Listen to me. You will limit your own ability to overcome and to do things for God in life. And then the day of judgment, they will say, oh, how did he do? He said he only preached around Enugu. We wanted him to preach around the globe. So they say, what is the purpose of well done? None done. So, you know, there's well done. There's none done. Thou, I don't want to use the word bad. Thou not good, not so good, and not very faithful servant. Just go and sit in that corner of thy Lord. That is, it is not entitled to the joy. Are you getting my point here? Then you will now mount up protest because you're a lawyer. You studied law. And I tell the Lord that please, um, I think um, by the, on the basis of equity, the principle of equity, this is not fair. This judgment is not fair. Why? I will have preached around the world if only you have sent money when we needed it. To preach around the world was going to take half a million dollars a month. But all I got was half a thousand naira a week. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> so that was where it carried me to. I was only able to take a bike or a pep and go from one part of Enugu to another. And the Lord says to you, it is because, or it was because of your unbelief. So it judges you for your unbelief that you should have gotten up and activated by faith the resources to preach around the world. 
you should have gotten up and refused to let those things be a hindrance. Life always presents to us excuses so that we would say, this is why I did not do this. I'm going to read that story in the book of Genesis again. When they say, why did you eat this fruit? It was not me. I was sitting down. The woman that you gave to me plucked it, opened my mouth. Now, I'm, I'm, embellishing, I'm embellishing the excuse of Adam. But Adam had an excuse. What about Eve? Eve said, it was not me. It was a serpent. He deceived me and I ate. Each person had an excuse. But none was justified because of the excuse. Did you hear what I said? Each person had an excuse, but none was justified because of the excuse. By the time they finished, God said, well, I've heard what you have said. Now, because of this thing you have done, judgment began. Even the Lord admitted that the woman was deceived, yet he placed a curse upon her. Excuses don't cut it with God. Do you know why? He has already given us the the power. He just said, you, get up and activate it. And he said, the activation is purely by what? Faith. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Yet the same Paul now said, it has to be by faith that it might be in accordance with grace. Which means, even though it is by the grace of God, I am what I am, I had to activate that grace by faith. One of the things I'm going to show us as we go on again, is to remind us that life is always, always tickling us, say, say something. Pinching us, say, say something. Not stimulating us to say something. What you say is what decides whether you are walking by faith or you are not walking by faith. So that if they, they tell you things are going down outside, and then you open your mouth and say, this is a problem. This is a problem. I don't know why good Lord Jonathan will take 2.1 billion so that he will try to get re-election. Now he lost election, see? Now we are now all suffering for it. I know we are all going to suffer. It is his suffering. It's our portion. What are we going to do? Nonsense. Now our children will suffer. Now they can <laughs> You know, people open their mouth and be talking. You know, prophesying evil against their own offspring. That <laughs> life is always provoking us to say something. Listen to me. One discipline of faith. One discipline of faith is never to say anything. One that you don't desire. No, that's true. One that's not in agreement with what God said. And two that you don't desire. No matter what it looks like. Your mouth is one place where you guard jealously. Go and read the story of Job again. Everybody was saying, let's hear what he will say with his mouth. Are you getting my point? Don't even whisper it in secret. If the thing is pressing you so hard, you have to say it. Kneel down and say, Lord, I want to confess my sin. I want to make a request. Somebody says, ah, they checked, they tested you, your liver is bad, your kidney is bad, your heart is bad. They say, what do you think is going to it looks like a man is going to die. If you don't want to die, don't say it. No matter how obvious it is, don't say it. Let them discuss amongst themselves. It must not come from your mouth. Why? Because God said to them, in that Numbers chapter 12 and chapter 13, the story of Kadesh Barnea, he said, it is what I heard you say in my ears. That is what I will do to you. 
At least let it not go on record that you testified against yourself. Ask any lawyer. The greatest evidence against you in court is what you said. That is why, that is why in, our, in, so in, in a lot of countries in the world, they instruct people who have been arrested that they have a right to keep quiet. They call it, is it Miranda or Miranda right? What do Americans call it? Miranda. Miranda right, yes. Because you know, once you open your mouth and say something, the policeman arresting you quotes it in court, that's it, you're done. So when you have been arrested, they tell you simply, you have the right, you have the right to remain silent. That is, even though we are questioning you, just know you can refuse to answer. They, they are commanded. So that, and the reason, of course, let me not go into the legalities of it, but the point is that your mouth is so important, even men have discovered it. And don't ever forget what I said. In that, I, and I taught in that book, um, By Faith Acquire Life. I explained something that, listen, your life is on trial. Different aspect of your life is on trial. God is a judge. God is a father, but he's a judge. You are sick. Just wake up every morning and say, I will live, I will not die. At least when they are putting the evidence together, that is what you said. Why should you be working against yourself? I remember once, I was, I was, one, those days I was in Lagos, I was staying with my, my auntie. I was not feeling well one of those days. For a few days. She said, ah, what is wrong with you? I didn't answer them. And my auntie said, ah, you know these Christians, they will never admit they are sick. I said, hey, why were you asking me then? Why were you asking me? What is wrong with me? I am fine. How are you feeling? What does it matter? I like what Smith Wiggles was uh, reputed to have said. Somebody asked him, say, how are you feeling? He said, Smith Wiggles looked and said, I don't, tell, I don't ask Smith how he feels. I tell him how he feels. They just asked him, hey, how are you feeling? He just paused and said, asking me? I don't ask myself how I feel. I tell myself how I feel. If I wake up in the morning, and I'm feeling bad, I will get up and tell myself. That's what he was saying. Feel good. Today is not a day for bad feeling. You will feel good. It's an instruction. He gives it to himself. That is why I tell you, if you see, if you've ever greeted me, I created a habit deliberately. I will answer you, it is well with you. And those who are not wise, they say, and you too. Very foolish response. You tell somebody, God bless you, say, you too. When nobody say amen first, ah! Say, it's well with you, say amen. Before you start, don't, don't bounce the blessing back. What's your issue? When blessings are flowing, just grab it up. Have you ever seen Abraham is blessing Isaac? Isaac say, and you too. <laughs> Jacob's blessing his children, say, Papa, you too. Listen, let me just say that somebody who is senior to you, who you respect, blesses you, don't bounce it back. Say amen and leave it there. Go and pray for him at home. I say, sir, we are praying for you that the Lord will keep you, sir. When they say, God bless you, tell him amen and we'll keep on going. Some people don't know. They, they bounce it back in your face. It's not a greeting. They think it's a greeting. Like white man say, how do you do? How do you do? You know? <laughs> you know that's proper English greeting. How do you do? How do you do? Now, please, I'm bringing out an issue here. All right? So in life, you talk to yourself. You guard your tongue because, listen, 
This is the emphasis. Life must be activated by faith. Everything is activated by faith. If the Lord promises something, it doesn't happen automatically. Somebody gets up and activates it by faith. He promised deliverance for Israel. Daniel had to get up and activate it by faith. He promised Isaac to Abraham. Abraham did not know all the faith we know now. He was the one that God took up as a pupil and began to teach him faith. So he taught him how to call himself Abraham. So from now on, your name is not Abraham, exalted father. Your name is Abraham. What was he doing? He was teaching the man, activate your blessings by faith. Go and sacrifice his son. He told the mother, we are going. I and the lad will return. Activating by faith. Are you getting my point? Life is a battle. You hear me say it all the time. That old age is not a disease. It is not a disease. So it doesn't mean that if you are growing older, you will just be fine like that. The information I have given you from the word of God, the information you have deciphered by yourself from reading the scriptures, all right? Those things that you have read in Psalm 92, that it says that when they are old, they will be full of sap. Do you understand? He said the, 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 um, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you and is giving life to your mortal bodies. You will wake up one morning and your joints will be paining you. And you will realize that, oh, you are middle age now. You are 50. So you now say that, okay, it's a disease of... So maybe you now go and see one of your friends. You know, my, my elbow has been paining me. He said, ah, it's age. Don't worry. He said, is that so? Okay. So when you wake up next morning, my aged friend, how are you? That's what we do. So the elbow pain says that, well, since they like me in this house, why look for another house? So it stays there. That is wrong. How am I supposed to respond? Somebody says it is age. You say, no, it can't be age. The word of God says, are you getting my point? The word of God says, and then you activate it. That way, listen, these things are not spontaneous. That's what I'm going to emphasize. That is an activation by faith. He said, no. He said, I, I reject it. He said, what do you mean? You Christians are always, yes, we always rejected what God didn't give us. Let, listen, let the pain, like, let it stay there for one year. For one year, you two, you will not agree. Let me ask you a question. Assuming you own a house. And you have a tenant. Didn't pay rent. You give him quick notice. He did not go. You will not say, okay, I'll stay there for long. It's not his house. No, think about it. You now say, ah, this man has been here for the last eight years. And he hasn't paid you rent for five years. Say, it's not his house. Say, how come it's his house? He's been staying here for five years. So let's just leave him. Do you do that? Let the court case take ten years. You're on the case. One day you will win because it's your house. I love Americans. It won't even take 10 years. It takes a few weeks. The guy is out. But let's even assume the, the judicial system is slow. You will not say, okay, since you, are, you, you now decide you are going to stay here, it's now your house. Somebody will say, ah, how about your house in New Heaven? <laughs> My brother, see me. There is one Mr. Lagbaja. He's still there. I'm going to get him out. Say, yes, who's your lawyer? You mentioned, ah, it's a good man. The matter is in court. Yes. 
It won't cross your mind to say, hey, he's been there for six years now. What are we going to do? Let's just leave him. No. You retain the fact that the house is, even though there's clear evidence, somebody is occupying it. And it's not going away. The same manner, let the pain stay somewhere. Say, listen, if you like, stay there forever. I will make sure you go. I will never agree that you belong. I hope you get my point. It's what you agree with we are talking about. So I will never agree that you belong. You don't belong. Is age, no. Start reading scriptures. Age, it's age, no, you should understand. I said, no, my life is not lived by medical science. So my life is lived by the word of God. Now you now start reading. Okay. Um, what did they say in the book of Joshua chapter 14? The one we read last time. See, Caleb. Caleb was 85. The strength at 40 was the same at 45. Is that not what the Bible says? Go on, let's read Psalm 92. It says, Mark the righteous man, and I've been made righteous in Christ Jesus because of my faith. And because of that, listen, he said that even when I'm old, I will be full, full of sap. My body will be young. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. I said, look, this is my evidence. When the Bible says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Even though I'm not seeing the pain gone yet, the evidence that does not belong there is what's written in the scriptures. Yeah, but you have been believing for the last one year. It has not gone. He said, no worry. If the tenant stays two years, he will still go. Why? It is not his house. How do I know it's my house? I have evidence that I built it with my money. Or I bought it with my money. Or it was given to me by somebody. I have the evidence. What is that evidence? For us, it's the word of God. No matter who is occupying the house currently, I have the evidence that that fellow does not belong and I will maintain my ground on the parks and leaves. The promises of God are activated. Even if God called you to ministry, listen to me this. You cannot use there was no money as the excuse for why you will not fulfill what God called you to do. If God, you see, let me say something about ministry again. Hmm? Ministry, ministry, ministry. It's only as if it's the preachers that have ministry. Everybody listening to me has a ministry. Did I hear an amen? Whether you are doing your ministry or not is another story. Some have their ministry, they packed it up. They've gone to find a job somewhere else. And their ministry is suffering. Yes. <laughs> you know, one of my sisters called me, uh, where I called her yesterday, and we had a nice chat. We had a nice chat on the phone. In fact, it was from the office here. She was telling me some things that they learned in mission school. And by the time she finished speaking, I said, this, was, this is exactly what I say that Christians must bear in mind. That there are two sides to it. What she was saying is that, listen, he told them that every Christian must have a mission. That is, something that you are doing, maybe, she gave a few examples, which many, many of us can easily relate with. Like now, you may be helping a group of people that are destitute, and you, every day you, you get or you make sure you do something for those people. So everybody must have something that they are doing to bless people on the earth. This is not a church, you know that. You know what it is? I, let me be. Let, let's, it's not, let's forget humility that is not of God. Let's talk the truth. This is my ministry. There's no, uh, how can you say my, it's our own. It's not our own. <laughs> you understand my point? Now, your own ministry can be here also. Uh, now, get what I'm saying? <laughs> you go and define it. Where you are, so you can say, Pastor Bank, forget that one. This is my own. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It can be your ministry to make sure, because there are people that I may not know them, because there are ministries that make sure that guy does not go mad. Pray for him every day. 
So I just didn't say it's my ministry. They are saying, you, Pastor Banky, you are my ministry. You just don't know. I don't know whether you are getting my point. That you are my ministry. Every day I'm looking at you, I'm kneeling down. The way I've seen the contour of your head, people like you have this problem. <laughs> so God has raised me up to ensure that you don't use that problem to spoil anything. You are getting what I'm saying? That is what they call ministry. Everybody, what's a ministry? Every, anything that you are doing as an assignment from God, something committed to your hands, which if you don't do, we can't guarantee that somebody else will do it. One of the reasons, you know, for a long time, let, let, can we digress for a moment? They just help people, all right? One of the reasons why when I started ministry, they say, ah, do church, do church. I say, no. And one of my understandings is this. The reason behind Kingdom World Ministry is that there is a gift of God. There's an understanding of the scriptures that God has given me. You understand? I have to just express it. That's, that's what it's about. And my own theory is that every Christian should be able to participate without being fully committed to the ministry. I don't know whether I get my point. Because when it's a church, we expect commitment. If we call a meeting, if you're a member of the church, you must be there. Otherwise, you should be disciplined. But if it's a gift of God, I just want to manifest. Do you follow? It is okay with me if most people who come just come and they go. And they don't contribute anything. They don't do anything. They don't even give money. In all honesty, I honestly don't care. Why? Because it is about just do what I told you to do. I will raise people up to support you. Are you getting my point? So you hear once in a while I call co-workers meeting. And we hold the meeting at odd times. 8 a.m. on Saturdays. Those who want to come, they come. Those who believe that, yes, I have a ministry to perform in helping this man. You are getting my point. Now, why? I just wanted to explain the principle there. Forget the fact that I'm a preacher. Everybody has a ministry. It is not always preaching. I just wanted to emphasize that. Some people, their ministry is... Stop working where somebody is paying you. Go and start a business because I want you to be able to employ people between the age of 18 and 25. Many of them, their parents will not be able to pay so that they can go to school. I want them to be able to work part-time. And you and them must generate the resources that will help them get educated without too much stress. And for you, it's a ministry. If you go and get ordination as a pastor, you will die young. If that's your ministry, they go and post you <laughs> to one, one branch and you are there <laughs> preaching morning, afternoon, and night. Meanwhile, God says, see, there are 500 young boys and young girls. Six of those girls are going to start following sugar daddies. I will hold you responsible. Five of those boys will join cults. If anyone dies, you are in trouble. Why? Because they ordained you and you were foolish enough to accept it, thinking it's a superior calling. You know, the one that makes me like, people now go and buy a sticker and put it on their car, dick it. Have you seen that? It is the height of foolishness. It's not a title, dicking. People will be lobbying for that title. They will travel kilometers to Lagos to go and get ordained by a man that does not know that they are there. Anybody ordaining you doesn't know your name. He didn't ordain you. He's deceiving you. Yeah. 
<laughs> you should be ordained by people that know you, that can swear by your calling. They will leave the job that God gave them. Some people, I will say it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. What I'm about to say, balance it very well though. I want to talk about money small. Amen? Every Christian must be generous. Amen? Amen. Every Christian must support the work of God. Amen? Amen. It's a free will offering. Amen? Amen. Alright, you give the way you like, but you should be generous. But I want to say something. Balance this one well. You know, some people have given us offering money God gave them to go and start a business. And God will now punish them for it. They don't know. Because look at this idiot. I said, go and start a cassava processing farm. Your pastor hired one mercenary and he collected the offering. And I said, God, I won't multiply it. I will multiply your punishment. Is it, is it purpose for which we do things that actually matter for us as believers? If you saw that cassava processing plant as a mission from God, nobody is collecting it from you. Say, God said to me today, 500 people are going to give 1 million. He said, I gave it to God since. And God said, we should buy a million machines. You see, what we call altar in Christianity doesn't exist. This is a platform. It's only raised up so that Israel can film me properly. Those, <laughs> those of you who came here, those days, you know that it was on the ground. It was when television camera came. We bought cameras. I said, how do we film Blackie over the head of other people? That was when they elevated this place. There, there's no altar here. As for this mahogany, it is so, it's true. Let's, let's say these things now. We, we, sometimes we don't know whether we are doing Obatala worship, Judaism. We don't even know the one we are doing. So you will build the house of God. That thing is not the house of God. It's a hall that's big enough for all of us to meet. I love one pastor. I don't know him personally, but I, heard of, I know his friend in Lagos. Every Saturday, the, the church, they collect their paper. They rent out the church for wedding. On Sunday, they clean the place. Let's worship the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Uh, the, the man doesn't waste, he doesn't do program on Saturday mornings. Why should we do program on Saturday morning when, when, when there's wedding coming up? The man don't, the guy don't get jam. Say, ah, see hall. <laughs> Say, this hall is good for wedding. So it's advertised. People come, I know it's Lagos. Drop serious pepper, half a million. Everybody, yeah. When you finish doing it, they, they will clean the place when you go home. <laughs> On Sunday, the place is back to anointing. So the man doesn't have financial, he can pay his staff, pay himself, pay everybody. That, once they build that building, they say the Lord is good. Listen to me. No, we must learn Christianity. We must learn Christianity. Any building you see, in fact, the more a building looks like a church, the more ungodly it is. A good church, I listened to David Pawson. He said he's, he does church design and he's a preacher. So he said he's, he's, um, he's, um, the architecture is his hobby. 
He designed chairs for people to sit down on. Why? He said because if people are not comfortable, they can't listen for long. So he designed a chair where if you are in his church, you can sit for four hours at a stretch. You won't feel tired. And they patented the design. He designed it because he's used to preaching. And he hates people shuffling around when he's talking. He said, why do they shuffle? The seats are not comfortable. So they sat down and designed. He designed the church so that from wherever you are, whether you are at the back or in front, you hear him well. He says the idea of one man in front and everybody's at the back is based on idol worship. I'm not talking about what Christianity is. Listen. Let me say something about money again. I was talking about money. We need to balance this for Christians. Those days, I got counsel from one or two people. I have one in mind. He said that you should be having services on Sundays. I said, why? He said, so that people will not take... He said, people are not loyal. He said, why? He said, because they will take your money. He said, they will listen to you free of charge. Then they will go to church on Sunday and pay tithes there and give offerings. So that I should start service on Sunday morning so I can collect it. I was a senior person, so I couldn't argue. But what I said to myself, which you've heard me say again and again, I said, there is no money that belongs to kingdom word that will go anywhere else. If you carry it there, you will, go, you will pay it back double. I will not change my arrangement because of anybody's money. Is human beings a source of my supplies or God from heaven? I said, I'm not changing my arrangement for anybody. If you don't want to give, leave it. And for goodness sake, if you're a member of a church, you understand, which I believe most of us here are, all right? If you're going to church, yes, you give them money too. I don't, we're not fighting over money. A, a friend of mine is, is, a, is, a, is a minister in, in a, one of these Orthodox churches. I won't tell you which one. He said they started preaching, you know, this first fruit in January, everything. They started preaching it, which you know, I've told you before, it's, it's not of God, it's a lie. You know, so, listen, if you want to give, give. Let me just, I want to digress again for two minutes. The principle of first fruit is just that you acknowledge God with the first expenditure you make. Do you understand? That's just the principle behind it. It's not to collect your whole January salary. And it has nothing to do with that, all right? Pastors do it this day just to get more money. It's an institutionalized way of collecting as much as possible from Christians. That is what it is. There's no spirituality in it. There's no blessing in it. There is nothing in it. Hear it, I say boldly, as a servant of God. There's no blessing special in it. The only thing in it is that we pastors arrange it so as to get more from people. Don't think of as long as people, some people, there are two groups of people. Some know, some are ignorant. Alright? So, let's leave that. So, my friend said, he went to their, some of their clergymen. And said, when did you start preaching first fruits? You know what the pastor told him? The reverend. The reverend said, that, eh, because it's an orthodox church, that our people go to all these Pentecostal churches. And they go and pay the money there. So we have to preach it so we can collect it. It's not whether it's true or false. It's more of, ah, oh boy, <laughs> this pepper is moving anyhow. Let's, let's redirect it.
some, you know the problem I have sometimes is that I feel bad that I pollute some of your ears. Some of you are so innocent, you think all pastors are angels. So when you hear me talk, you find out the truth and you are disappointed. Even Pastor Banky, I don't trust you. I don't. <laughs> Please don't trust me, just trust the word of God. Anything I say, just check the scriptures, if it is there like that. Anyway, I know you trust me anyway, because I'm saving you money, I'm saving you harassment, I'm saving you, I'm saving you guilt. Yes. And by the time you finish listening to me, you'll be so generous. Yeah, you'll be a generous person. You see, as we're going to talk about financial faith, you'll see it. You'll be a generous person. Your relatives will love you. Your pastor will love you. That is, unless he's, he's greedy. He will love you. Your neighbors will love you. Your father will love you. Your friends will love you. Because you'll be very generous. I had a friend once, another of our friends said that, what does he do with all his money? He said, maybe he carries it to church. That's a bad testimony. Because he couldn't buy somebody a Coke. He couldn't help a needy person. He couldn't. So another of our friends now said that, ah, how come this guy never has money? And she, she, the person asking me knew how much he earned. They, were in this, they worked in the same place. He said, I'm sure he carries all his money to church. That's a bad testimony. It's a bad testimony. Alright? So let me just say that thing I was saying. I know why I digress into all of that. So sometimes, people don't realize. Listen, let's get it clear. Christian, oh God, I'm not talking about money. I had not, had not planned to talk about money today. I will see whether I can get back to where my message was supposed to start from. Now, let me just say something briefly again, before I go back to where I was, about Christianity and money. A Christian is supposed to be faithful in finances. He does not do, God, let me give you something so you can multiply it. We don't do it. That's not Christianity. Listen, like I said when we were praying on Tuesday, I, I remember I, I handed out tracts. These are our small, small tracts, pieces of paper that we give out free to, a, a, to, to students on campus. And you notice how God stimulates people's hearts. And one student looked at me and said, I'm sure this is costing him money. Other people are collecting, collecting. His own is that, hi, this guy is spending money. First time he gave us money was a thousand naira because he said, these guys are spending money. Ten years later, he gave us a million naira. As a student, he didn't have money. But his own was that, these guys are spending money. So when God gave him, when God began to bless him and opened a door of opportunity. Now, I'm going to say something. You see, that's our Christian's reason. It's about, this is, do you, do you understand? It's about um, compassion. It's about love. It's about consent. It's not let me give so that God will give me something back. No. Christians, we are faithful. Somebody say amen. amen. Same brother the other day. <laughs> he, was, he was just telling me, he said, I bought my father a car. I knew I had done it before. I said, he told me the model. I said, that's a very nice car. He said, why? He said, because I heard that I call him, says the mechanic. I call him, he's in the mechanic. I said, at his age, he shouldn't be going to mechanic. So let him dash somebody the other car. He bought another one sent to him. It wasn't letting me so into my father's life. No. He's like, why is he going to mechanic? Why should he be going to mechanic if I can prevent that from happening? Are you, are you getting my point? That's our Christian's reason. 
With money, we are faithful people. We don't sow seeds. We just, I don't want to use the word give, we just care. Yes, I like that word. We just care. And we don't put ourselves in front. We know that literally these things of the world are the things of this world. I shouldn't spend money on luxury. When there are critical things that, de- that I'm, I'm supposed to affect, some of them may not necessarily depend on me, but I can affect those things positively. You just you'll be wasting money anyhow. I said, no, let me do this. I'm going somewhere. I know where I began this from, talking about ministry. You understand? Everybody has a ministry. So for Christians, this is what we do with money. We apportion money appropriately. We apportion money appropriately. And we put our faith in God. I'm going to talk about this financial faith. We put our faith in God. And then we apportion money appropriately. What I mean by appropriately? The Bible says there is seed for the sower and there is bread for food. I prioritize properly. Let me give you an example. No matter how happy I feel, no matter how much I desire to see Dubai, if I have not paid my children's school fees, does it make sense for me to buy an airplane ticket to go and see Dubai? 